Welcome to this week's edition of the Army Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. Today is December 17th, 2020. I am your host, Chris Walton, and I'm joined, as always, by the always illuminating Ann Mazinga and the now second most famous intern in the U.S., Emma the Intern. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Who's the first most famous intern? I was trying to decide. I think it's Robert De Niro, actually, you know, because he was like in The Intern. So like the movie, oh, you know, I was and thinking of Ross, the intern, Ross, the intern was, he was my other choice. Yeah. I think okay. Ross might still be more famous than Emma, but I think it's close. Cause he's kind of like not relevant anymore. Right. Like when was the last time? I don't even time? know who he is. So I'm just going to take it that I am the first yeah. famous yeah. person. Yeah. Fair. And I had another like 16 people ask me about Emma this week. So I, I think, I think her curating is far, far exceeding uh, that of, that of Ross, the intern too. So the other thing I wanted to talk about too is not only is Emma the intern getting a lot of pub, but so are my hats. And so you'll notice if you're watching us, I'm not wearing a hat today, but I want to set the record straight here and say why I've been wearing hats of late, because you can probably see I'm, I'm pretty much essentially bald right now. And the reason for that is Mrs. Omnitalk came at me with some, uh, some barbering shears with the clippers and forgot to use the, the guard on it. And so I had a big divot out of the side of my head and was like, nice. yeah, all right, time to just take this thing bald. Cause you know, cause I would never be there anyway, you know, had it not been for the haircut. Right. Where are these threads? Like are these deep, dark Reddit threads that like you have with some four other people across the country that are like business school friends or something? Because I, I'm not seeing any of these all comments the, that you're talking about. Stephen Brinkley, Gary Newbury, all the followers okay. are out there like, like your hack game is strong. I'm like, yeah, thanks. It really is. I know. Yeah. They also like my jumpers, especially Gary, if he's listening. Oh, I know okay. he is. So, but enough about that. Enough about my hats. Uh, we've got some, we've got some cool stuff going on this week. We've got a lot of great content this week, and you had a cool podcast with Kim Lefko, the chief marketing officer at Ace Hardware. We did. We just released that this week, and yeah, Kim was a fantastic interview. I think, especially timely. She's talking about the holidays. She is the chief marketing officer overseeing forty five hundred independent stores, which I think I keep calling that out in like the promotion of this this podcast, but. That's a really big deal when you think about 4,500 small communities and the the store, the hardware store, the Ace Hardware being the heartbeat of those communities, especially now. Especially so, now, right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great interview. Kim was fantastic, so definitely check that out. Yeah, Kim's awesome. I've probably known her for, God, 10 or 15 years now, back when she was, back in her Graco baby days, and I was at Target. She's an awesome person. It's a great interview, getting a lot of play on social. Also had some great articles drop on Forbes this week, what I think are the five most important moments in retail also wrote wrote something about best buy on why i thought they're the smartest retailer uh of 2020 if you've listened to our podcast you probably know our thoughts there but that's worth checking out as well that's been doing pretty well uh in addition but hey we've got a great show so i'm excited today we're going to talk a little bed bath and beyond selling cost plus world market i cannot wait to talk about that we got a hell of a lot of news as it surrounds doordash robomart launched its first mobile store and we're going to end with Amazon's foray into custom t-shirts. But first, guys, are you ready for it? Let's talk a little TikTok. Here we you're, go. You're, you are absolutely way too excited about this. But yes, you should. I'm trying to get as Kesha as I can right now. I love that song. You ever work out to that song? Anyway. 
This week, Modern Retail reported that Walmart has a growing army of employee TikTokers. According to Michael Waters, the program called Spotlight, which the company began testing in the fall, remakes Walmart employees into publicly facing company advocates. The article goes on to describe TikTok as, quote, teaming with employees, jokingly taping their store managers to a poll, which is amazing, giving a quote, Walmart cheer before work, and participating in cross-country Walmart dance parties, all hosted, of course, through TikTok's duet feature. And Emma, are you guys buying this or selling this, TikTok and Walmart? And let's start with you. You know, I love this because I think that as we're talking about the, like, the changing store format. And we've seen so much of this happen throughout the pandemic. And I think it's just a natural evolution for, you know, as the store footprint changes, the role of the associates in that store are going to change. And I think that this is just part of what a new role for employees is going to be is participating in the social media. And really we're talking, we talked last week at length about it, but like, Socials where people are buying. So how do we now like change this idea of what is the job description for a social or for an employee anymore? And so I think it's really cool. I think it's smart for Walmart to really improve the brand image. I think, you know, especially for the Gen Z audience, um, you know, their concept of Walmart might not be a, a great one. And so I think that helps them a lot too. And then I think that you start to look at, you know, you're seeing this happen in a lot of places. And and again, going back to this changing store footprint along with the store associate is like beauty counter. Like they just built out a store and they have a studio and a store. Like it's, it's all everything in one. So there's just, there's a lot going on here, but ultimately I think like this is the way that things are going to be going forward. So, so you're liking this, you're, you're high on the scale. This is high on the, and, and I love this scale. I am, I, I am loving it. Yes. You're loving this. Emma, Emma, resident Gen Z, who Anne just affectionately called out. So like, what's your take here? Are you loving this as much as Anne or are you, are you like skeptical and dubious? And this feels like, you know, like your dad trying to be cool. Like when he picks <laughs> you up, you know, from the high school dance, like, what is this to you? I think this is, I'm on Anne's page where it's super fun and exciting. And I do think that this is actually a really great way to kind of target the Gen Z audience. And I want to say like, as someone who's worked probably like an entry level kind of Walmart sort of position, how fun would it be to go to work and you get like opportunities to interact with social media and like customers that you probably know in your community? Like that sounds awesome. And who knows, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these employees can't move an S load of product. Like, you know, get them going. Like they could probably move some product for Walmart as well. And to your point, like as a former store and district manager for Target, like it is hard to keep employees motivated. And so this is another tool in that toolbox to do that. They talk about in the article too, that this could even advance to the point where the employees maybe are incentivized to move product or for whatever they are doing on TikTok as well, which I think is also really interesting. Plus, it's also a great communication tool for like camaraderie and excitement. You know, they talk about taping the store managers to polls, which I don't know if I condone that, but sure. Hey, whatever works. But as, as a former store manager, you're not condoning that behavior. As long as they untape me, I guess I'd be all right with it. But like, but, you know, that stuff's fun. And then I think also, too, like people might do cool stuff like they might show cool product and other stores can pick it up and they might show that same cool product in their markets. And then, you know, all those virtual 
you know, kind of net or, or virtuous, excuse me, network effects start to take shape. And I, I think it's great. And, and let's give Walmart credit here. They're a massive company and they have the guts to do this. We talked about it with Dunkin' Donuts a few weeks ago, but like yep. Walmart's as big as it gets and they're not scared of this. And I think, I, I think you got to give them a ton of credit for that. Right. I mean, Emma, you're shaking your head. Yeah. I just, it's so cool. Like good for them. I'm really excited to see where that goes. When was the last time we said something bad about Walmart? I feel like we haven't. Like, it's been like this, like, the, it's been, the last yeah. six months have been like this cavalcade of, like, just loving them. It's amazing. Oh, well, hey, well, keep on going. And I mean, Chris, you can buy that duct tape that you, they're using in the actual TikTok video now or in the reels, which was also just announced this week, uh, that they'll be using these for. Like, it's it's creative ways of selling things. And again, this that social channel is the store. So it makes sense that the associates are being put on this. You know, and we didn't mention it because I think most, most of the listeners know it too, but who owns a stake in TikTok? Walmart does. And so this is fascinating. It'll be fun to watch, but we're loving it. All right. I love this next story too. Emma, I think it's yours. Yes. So Bed Bath & Beyond has struck a deal to sell Cost Plus World Market. Buying Cost Plus is going to be Los Angeles-based private equity firm Kingswood Capital Management. And in this deal, they get 243 brick-and-mortar locations, the digital business, two distribution facilities, and a corporate office in Alameda. And then I'm curious, I want to know what you have to say, because you seem very excited. Oh, because I'm excited. They have the whole enchilada, too, as part of that deal, I think, too. Well, yeah, but you're, I mean, you're, you're the, you're the retail, you know, graduate student. You know, what, what do you, what do you think here? Like, what is cost plus world market? Where is that for you? Like, what do you think of this? In terms, I mean, we've talked about that bath a lot. What do you think first before I kind of jump in? I actually had no idea what cost plus was until I moved out to the Midwest. And I got to say, I liked it a lot more than like, I have no connection to Bed Bath & Beyond. I did like it a lot more than Bed Bath & Beyond. It's not somewhere I, it was always one place, like if it was there, I'd go in, see what they had, maybe pick up some kind of like candle and walk out. Yeah. But something worldly. Okay. Yeah, I totally yes, get you. Worldly. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like a better Pier 1 than Pier 1 in some ways. But Anne, what do you, yeah. what, what do you think here? You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with focus. And I think that this, I'm going to go with, I think this allows them to focus and knowing what we know about Mark Tritton and what he does so well, uh, I just have a feeling they're going to sell off all these brands, go into one big Bed Bath & Beyond, and then he's just going to create own brands that are better. He's going to like Facebook all of the other brands that they used to have and just do it better and have them be own brands and all live inside the Bed Bath & Beyond world. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Emma's point's really interesting to me too, because I, I always thought cost plus world market was a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Like, so when I was doing e-com for Target for home furnishings, I always talked about them because I thought they had a, I thought they had an interesting business and they did some stuff really well and they sold some really compelling, you know, value priced furniture. And like Anne, I can remember when we visited their Brooklyn concept store where they had cost yeah, plus, bed, bath, bye-bye baby, all under one roof for those that have listened to us for a long time. I really love that. And I thought it was almost like a new expression of a Walmart and Target across all those, you know, different brands within the portfolio and that there was a there there if they could figure out how to unlock it. And so I'm kind of honestly, I'm a little bit sad by this. I get the focus thing. And a lot of people respect the Bed Bath & Beyond too. I want to say that, but like, I'm a little bit sad here because I think there's something to be done with it. And what it does tell me, I think most of all also is that you're effectively putting all your chips in one basket now. Like you are putting your chips in the basket and saying, look, we're going to ride and die with Bed Bath & Beyond and the reimagination of what is what it sounds like is typically in a Bed Bath & Beyond store. 
we've talked about it before. That's going to take probably a good two to three years. Are people going to wait for that? And then also when it's done, is that still that compelling of a reason for me to go to a Bed Bath & Beyond store versus just ordering stuff online? I'm still, I, I'm, it's still hard for me to see how the chips put on the table in that way end up paying out in the long run. But what do you guys think? Am I nuts? Like, well, what, what would you do? I mean, what would you be doing with it? If you were put in that in Triton's place, like, what are you doing with the, the, the chips you have in front of you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you've got to make it, I think you have to go more of a direction of a one-stop shop and figure out how to reprioritize the box, which is, you know, I think initially what some of the previous regime was trying to do. Um, it's hard. It's going to take time. It's not an easy thing to do because it's going to take some capital to get there. Um, and maybe they still will. I mean, maybe they're selling off these assets and they still have, you know, dreams like that. Cause they are keeping, you know, some of the brands like the, he said, I think it was on Jim Cramer's show or whatever that guy's name is today that, um, you know, baby was going to still be a really important part of what they do. So maybe they're thinking about it in that direction. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's just hard to compete as like the specialty killer in this space, especially when the competition's so heavy. Emma, what do you think? I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I don't even have anything more to add on that. Yeah. Cause like you were saying, like you just, it wasn't compelling for you to begin with. So you're, you're having no. trouble seeing how it becomes compelling beyond that from what, like, a definitely. I don't even have like a label. suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you could try to sex up the brands. I mean, again, I think on that show, they were, or even in the article, they were giving credit for like all the design partnerships. And I was like, yo, hold the phone. Like the design partnerships were happening at target well before, you know, uh, you know, Mark Tritton got there. So like, you know, you can try to bring in all that pizzazz and stuff, but you know, that's, that's hard to keep continuing. It's hard to continue to recreate that time and time again too. And you're still shaking your head. You're still like, no, as long as they don't get rid of the, as seen on TV section of that (laughs) store. I mean, what a reason to go in. I mean, (laughs) I'm cool with it. So long as they leave that. Yeah. I mean, that's the, when you say, how would I turn it around? I mean, slap chops everywhere seems like (laughs) the smart strategy that hasn't been tried yet. So I think that, I think that's where we need to go. All right. And let's do story number three. This will be fun too. Okay. Well, surprisingly, slap chops are not a billion dollar company uh, that actually, maybe they are. I shouldn't say that. Who knows? Um, But but, uh, yes, or were, but we have some pretty big news about another company this week, DoorDash, the country's largest food delivery company, by the way, had their first day of trading on Wednesday. Uh, DoorDash stock rose 86% above its initial public offering price of $102 per share to close the day at $189.51. Now, this puts DoorDash's current value at a dashing $72 billion, which is more, I will note, than the market cap of Domino's Pizza and Chipotle. Why those two are the comparisons here, I'm not quite sure, but both of those companies combined. Credit the New York Times for that comparison, too. That's 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 where where we're pulling that from. That's right. Um, DoorDash has raised a total of $3.4 billion, making it one of the largest IPOs of the year. And one other announcement that happened this week that cannot go without noting is that Petco and DoorDash have also announced a partnership this week where Petco will uh, work with DoorDash to deliver supplies to its customers nationwide through DoorDash with no delivery fee for orders over $35. You guys, 
I mean, we've been talking about DoorDash for a long time on the show. Like I almost am like I was borderline concerned when this news came out that we might need to start putting like that stock like warning. Like we are not giving investment advice right, on this right, podcast right. Right. because if you haven't invested in DoorDash and after listening to our podcast for the last six months, I don't know what is going on. Well, if you were in on that IPO, you'd be stoked. That's for sure. But yeah, I don't know if I would give that investment advice anyway. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, well, then in like the pets industry too, like what you had that S pack or whatever the hell that's called, like uh, for what's it bark box today, value that thing. They're going to take that thing public at over a billion dollars too. Like, Oh my God, there's a lot going on in this space. DoorDash, incredibly, incredible amount of stuff going on. But like, yeah, the Petco thing is huge. Now DoorDash is expanding their, you know, portfolio into pets too. We've talked about Instacart doing that as well. But Emma, you brought up an interesting point too. We were talking about the Petco thing earlier in the week. And I thought you brought up something that's really important that I, I think people need to hear, which is like, you think same day delivery. I was like, is same day delivery for pets? Does that matter? And you were like, yes. yeah, it really does. So like, yes. explain why it does. Cause I, I, I had no idea. All right. So I, I think like most people can never quite get the day that I need my dog food to be delivered. Correct. And I always buy the 30 pound bag, which means that I refuse to go to the grocery store, drag it off a shelf, get it in a cart, and push it to my car. So I order online. And if I order, if it shows up too early, I live in a 600 square foot apartment. I don't have room for a suitcase size bag of dog food. And then if I order it too late, I have to like ration the food to the dogs as it slowly fades away. So I like same day delivery. And for most people, you're probably going to hit that delivery minimum of $35 because I think most people buy dog food in bulk. I think like, this is awesome. I would so use this. It makes my life so much easier. It solves the kibble conundrum is what you're telling yes. me, which I had no. He's I been had, saving that. He's been saving no, that kibble conundrum for totally like the last two hours. Oh, no, I'm quick. I'm on my feet. I'm ready to move. We're, we're moving here. No, I think this is fascinating, though. Like, I, and I had not thought about that. And I think it's important because, it again, it shows you, like, how important same day is in the early stage of the funnel in terms of where you're deciding where it is that you're going to shop. And the interesting thing I started thinking about is we haven't talked about this yet. And I think I'm going to write about this, but what if like, what if Instacart or DoorDash just get together with Facebook? You know, I mean, you could make this thing like go acquired or whatever, but let's not even talk about it. like, what if they just had a partnership? Like what if it was just like an exclusive partnership and one says the other, look, we'll do all the social media advertising for you in exchange. Here's what we want. Facebook in exchange, we're going to advertise on your platform. And you're going to charge us basically nothing to do it. You can have a commission on every sale. I'm Instacart or I'm DoorDash. I have every goddamn retailer's portfolio in my you know, system. And I can deliver whatever the hell I want from whatever retailer for whatever product I want through Facebook advertising. So I can serve up things in the moment of discovery. I can serve up things in search. Facebook, you take a cut of this. And oh, by the way, I can give everyone the confidence they get it same day across everything. And all they, all I have to decide is which which retailer do I want to deliver it from? And I have many choices in a lot of cases, which is crazy. Or myself, <laughs> which deliverer, or do I have it in my own warehouse, like in DoorDash's case? Yeah, right, in DoorDash's case, right. Like, so like the, the possibilities of that type of thing are endless. And like the one plus one on that completely equals three. Like I'm having trouble figuring out why there isn't value there, because here's the other thing. The retailers can't do anything about it, right? What are the retailers going to do? Like they need Instacart and DoorDash as you're seeing for last mile delivery. So they're going to be like, oh, you don't like us doing that? I'm sorry. Go figure this out on your own. Go make that happen. They're not going to be able to do that. So I don't know. Like I got all excited thinking about that. I, I 
keep a lookout, everyone listening. Cause I, I think I'm going to put that in Forbes as one of my holiday wishes for 2021. That's my, my annual post that's coming out soon. So I think that's going to be front and center because God, that would be, that would just be amazing, but who knows? We'll see if it happens. I mean, there might be a couple of issues with that, with the deals that Facebook is trying to get through right now with uh, not owning every single company. So it definitely have to be a partnership, but exactly. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be an ownership thing. Like screw that stuff. Just be like, Hey, cocktail napkin. Let's make this happen. All right. Instacart, (laughs) rule the world, DoorDash. Here we go. Who wants it, man? If I was, I'd be hitting that against somebody right now. All right, number four, Emma. This one's cool too. We've been on this topic for a while. Yeah, so Robomart has launched its mobile convenience store in beta for West Hollywood residents. The service offers essentials delivered in the back of a van. And users purchase the goods from the Robomart app and the vehicle will drive out to meet them. I'm very curious to see what you guys have to say about this. That's amazing. The essentials delivered from the back of a van. I never thought about that. There's a lot of things I bought out of the back of the van. I don't know we have enough time on the podcast to talk about this, but uh, but all my medicinal know. needs, especially at the time of coronavirus. Oh man, oh my God. yeah, but no, but we've been on this for a while. I mean, we interviewed their CEO Ali Ahmed. Uh, God, it was two two and a half years ago at Shop Talk. We've known him for a while. Interviewed him a couple times. Had a webinar with him this summer when the outbreak broke, and you know they've been talking about doing the mobile retail store. Right. You know, yeah. the, what do they call it? Store hailing, I think, is right, is the quote unquote. Term yeah, that exactly. Using, um, which is like Uber. You just hail your store just like an Uber. And the idea is that, you know, the, it's making multiple deliveries through one vehicle stocked at the same time versus sending people out, as we we're just talking about Instacart over and over and back and forth and back and forth. And they now have it in market and it's being tested. I've been shocked to see how many how many retail news outlets are picking this up too, which I think is awesome. Like, it's just cool to see people excited about, you know, people doing something really new. I mean, the idea is around autonomous delivery ultimately, but what it shows is you don't have to do it that way to start. Like, is the demand there for ride hailing? Let's figure out that hypothesis. Any retailer can try that, by the way. That's not hard because like Emma said, it's just delivering out of the back of a van. See what happens. It's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I think that, you know, my only thought here is, you know, back when we talked to Ali early on, you know, this idea of hailing the store and bringing it to you just like you would on your Uber app, I think made sense to me for more of the niche stores. I mean, unless we're going to start bringing like shipping container trucks to people's houses, I think that they could have a hard time competing with the DoorDashes, the Instacarts, who are able to bring similar products um, and and the right products without having to like cross my fingers that the person in front of me didn't take like the last box of Hagen Dazs out of their the cart that's coming to me, and you know there's inventory issues like that. So I, I guess if if I were if I were them, I think the van's not a bad idea because um, it allows you to bring more to the person's house. But I think I would start to really stay focused on like the Mac Cosmetics example that he gave where, you know, you're bringing the the Mac store and maybe even an associate in the store to help me, you know, directly to my house, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I know the initial, you know, impetus was always like fresh produce and meats, right? The things that you want to expect, inspect, the things that you're maybe not confident in mm-hmm. from the Instacart or the DoorDash driver too. And I know that that's still part of what they're looking to do. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see yeah, how it plays out. But man, kudos for him for continuing to keep, keep this going. And I'm excited to see where it goes. All right, this next one, 
Anne has created quite the kerfuffle on social media with this story. And so I cannot wait to close and talk about this. But Amazon Fashion this week launched a custom t-shirt program. According to Retail Dive, Amazon Fashion on Tuesday announced the launch of, quote, Made For You, end quote, a custom t-shirt sales portal that employs, quote, virtual fit technology, end quote, via the Amazon app. I just like saying quote and end quote today. Each item is created after customers provide their height, weight, body style, and, and you can see this on LinkedIn right now, and takes two photos of herself to do this. And then you pick from two fabric types, eight colorways, choose the length, the fit, the neckline, and the sleeve length, and the shirts are only $25 each. And you did it. You put out the post. Do you love it? I am so excited about this. When I got the text, I immediately was like, I'm doing this right now. Like, there's no reason why I would not do it. Amazon has has done what we have talked about doing and dreamed about doing for so long. They are on their way, I believe, to reinventing the gap, but 100% customized, fitted to me gap. Now, the only thing here that I'm concerned about, and let's just like point out a quick few clarifiers that everybody was asking me. Yes, they ship for free via Prime Delivery. Yes, they ship in three to five days. Yes, you can customize the shirt 100% to you. But what are you going to say? Say how it works too. I think like go talk, t- take a sure. look real quick, one minute. Like how does the whole thing work? You You take your phone out, you put it on the floor. You have to like hair up like fitted clothing so that they can see the size of your body. You take one photo like an alien with your hand, a robot with like your hands out in front and then a side profile view, very similar to what you do for like a third love or any of these other like bra fitting apps. And in a matter of seconds, it's got like this 3D rotating body double of me. You pick your skin tone so that it matches the correct skin tone for the right color of shirt that you're picking. Then you pick uh, your colorway, your if you want a V-neck or a crew neck. And next thing you know, it's in your mailbox. It's going to be delivered to me. And I can return it also if it doesn't fit, even if it has my name sewn into the back of it. I love that you can pick the fabric too. I think that's so cool. Like, I, yeah. especially like a t-shirt. Like that's so awesome. So, so you think, so, okay. So that's how it works. And so you're loving this because you think it's like creating the gap customized from your home. Yes, I do love it. Now here's the problem though. I put that video up and no one knew about it. Like retailers, people in the retail world did not know about it. So my problem is that Amazon's biggest enemy when they're going for total world apparel domination is themselves. Like they have a terrible interface still. It's still not an easy thing to find. You don't just type in, you know, it's not like here's an apparel experience. What I'm wondering, and if we're going to like play, what would I do again for the third time this podcast? Of course we are. I, I'm thinking like, why wouldn't they create, and I'm just going to call it AMA, like short Amazon for short. Like, why don't they create white label AMA brand, do all the fulfillment through Amazon, but it's like this new clothing brand that has all this customized clothing. They could take, move in all of their Amazon wardrobe services, all their personal styling. It's one place where I know I'm going for these, these apparel items, for the Gap, for, you know, Zara, all these places where I'm going and shopping and just make it simpler, make it a simpler interface. I know they lose some SEO and other stuff. So I'm sure there's plenty of reasons. that. You oh, I doubt they're even thinking about that, that kind of stuff. I don't even 
they think but it's just like your this, Amazon. They, who says they won't who says they won't and who says they haven't and we just that's don't right. know that's, that's the cool right. thing about Amazon. That's right. Emma you were shaking your head there I mean have you tried this thing I still gotta try this I'm pretty jazzed about it actually Anne's video and I saw it make the little like alien of Anne and I was like oh my god that looks exactly like Anne so I went and tried this out and it gave me the same like exact same little alien figure that didn't look like me at all so that's where I was kind of curious I was like maybe it's if you like have a certain weight range and a height kind of range you get the same little alien that tries on your shirt so I was so there's like a one-size-fits-all alien avatar for this I I was slightly disappointed in that, so you're disappointed but at the same, in the alien avatar. But at the same time, I'm like, I want Amazon to have my full actual body. But when I read about the Amazon like health band, I was like, that's too much information for them to have. So now I'm just confused. <laughs> right. When you put it on your wrist, you yeah. don't want them to know your body type. But when you take a picture, it's totally fine. It's yeah, funny yeah. how the, the psychology of that works. I think it's cool, man. I got to give Amazon credit too. Like they're just so smart. Like let's just do this with a t-shirt. Like, let's do this with the one thing everybody wants. And you know what? No one's ever happy buying freaking t-shirts. Like, I got to tell you too, like all those Instagram ads and Facebook ads I see for like the perfect, like in my case, men's, men's tea. And they're all like 50 bucks. And like, if you're buying those, like you're the biggest sucker in the world. Like you just are. And so like the fact that this may actually solve that problem. I'm excited to try this. That's why I was keen on like, what's the texture? Where can that go? Cause I think that matters when you're talking about this stuff too, but like, it's just a great and 25 bucks. Like, it's a great way to save, mm-hmm. potentially save money relative to some of those other options. That price will just go down over time too, especially if you're going to probably buy in bulk, like, and you need a lot of teas. I, I just, I, I, I think it's great. I kudos to them for just, they continue to push the envelope on this. And I have no problem taking a picture of myself and getting an alien avatar. In fact, you know, it's probably a, it's probably a, a benefit. <laughs> well, I think the other thing too, though, is like people were, and I think to your point, Emma, like this is not going to be a hundred percent precise and it may not even be a hundred percent customized right now. But like, I look back to the third love example, like look at the progress that third love made in just introducing half sizes. So even if it is pulling like a portion, you know, this is this much closer to fitting me better. Like that's still a better product that is worth paying a slight premium on. So what was the shipping time too, Ian? How, what's the delivery? How long is the delivery? Did it say it, three to five days? Like I three should be getting it. Christ, I should be crazy. getting it by Monday. So I'll, I'll post a recap photo for everybody and let you know Absolutely. what I think of the actual product. Yeah. And check out the post on LinkedIn too. It's blown up. It's doing great. And it was such a cool thing that Anne did just videotaping the whole experience. I think it was like really fresh and I hadn't seen anybody do it yet too. So, you know, that's what we love. That's why we love our job here at Omnitalk. So, well, Hey, that wraps us up. That was a fun show. I think it was a good, good holiday show. You know, next week we haven't talked about it yet, so I'm springing this on them, but next week we're hoping to do uh, the closing uh, fast five for the year, do a little do a little wrap up, maybe do some awards. We always have a little fun with that. So we'll see what we can put together. Ann and I have got to plan that out with Emma, the intern here, but it should be good times. We got some good happy birthdays today. Happy birthday today to Schitt's Creek, Eugene Levy. Oh, Wes. yay. Yay, right? Yeah, he's like in his oh, Schitt's like Creek. That's my first good one. for how old he is too, by the way. How old is he? He's like, I think he's like 72 or 74 or something like that. Schitt's Creek is my first favorite Canadian show. First favorite Canadian. First show. Can favorite. You name a second favorite Canadian. Yeah, show? Letter Kenny, which yes. people gotta check out. So good. <laughs> yeah. But those Canadians, Carl Boutet, 
you got to keep hold them down up there. Keep them, keep them coming. Tell them to keep that film industry going. Yeah. Those Canadians know their humor. They for sure do. They really do. Other birthdays, Wes, Wes Studi, for those that are familiar with his work, one half of the Farrelly brothers. And for me, the man who will always be known as Lone Star from Spaceballs, <laughs> oh Bill Pullman. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks to everyone, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. Today's OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is brought to you by FastSensor. FastSensor is the first AI-powered business intelligence platform that provides business owners with ROI-focused optimization tools tailored to fit your organization. With FastSensor, you can successfully monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization from customer flow to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotions. Visit FastSensor.com to learn more. The OmniTalk Fast Five is also brought to you by Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. 